In today's episode of 750 Mills, what's the world's most popular camera? May not be what you think it is. Also, some of the best photos in the world for this year have been picked out. We'll talk about why some of these are unique. Plus, we talk about how you can take better photos with a camera phone, no matter what it is. All of that, along with today's genuinely useful secret link and the feel-good feature track, is coming at you right now. Hello everyone, welcome to 750 Mills, the show that highlights the good stuff in the world today and points you to news, music, and all manner of genuinely useful, or at the very least, mildly interesting things. It's all meant to help you start off your day or your week right. Welcome to the show folks, my name is Andre, and today we're going to talk about something we all like doing to some degree. Taking photos with our phones. And there are those of us who have taken it all to the next level and have actually won competitions with it. Then, we'll talk about how you can do the same. Well, as close as you can get anyway. So, stick around. We'll talk about how you can do just that. Folks, it is genuinely amazing what we can do with that thing we carry around in our pockets. We sometimes take it for granted, but the smartphone is probably one of the most life-changing devices you can own. We rely on it for so much. We we communicate with anyone in the world with it. Read books, watch videos, take online classes and tests, send and receive money, and shop for just about anything. Along with what probably is the most popular use of a smartphone right now. Uh, being rude to people on the internet without having to worry about any limbs being involuntarily detached from your body. Well, at least not right away. Another popular use of a smartphone is taking photos. And I mean really, really good photos in some cases. Smartphone cameras have come a long way since they've started out just as ta a tack-on feature on the old pre-iPhone candy bars and clamshells from the likes of Nokia and Motorola. Nowadays, the cameras on the highest-end smartphones regularly give actual consumer cameras a run for their money. With smartphones, you can shoot, sort, edit, and share your photos right from the same device. So it makes everything a lot easier. There's no need for extra equipment like cables and computers to sort, store, or share your photos in just a plethora of different processes. You just gotta ask yourself the question though. When was the last time you saw a tourist or anyone else carrying a compact camera? It's just not necessary anymore. In fact, compact cameras are pretty much on their way out, seeing massive drops in sales every year. One report says that digital camera sales have dropped over 87% since 2010. More and more people are just finding that the cameras on their phones are good enough for their needs, but it's a lot more convenient to just take around with them. Another interesting fact is you ask the question, what's the most popular camera in the world? And if you go by the data collected by photo sharing website Flickr, it's the iPhone. It's followed by brands such as Canon at number two, Nikon at number 3, Sony at number 4, and Fujifilm rounding out the top 5. That's funny enough, when I looked further down the chart, I saw the Nintendo 3DS at number 33. I didn't know you could take pictures with that thing. I guess I was missing out on all the action and all I did on it was play Mario Kart on my one. And that being said, 
There's still a huge difference between professional cameras and smartphone cameras, but things are gradually getting to the point where plenty of professionals are experimenting with using phone cameras in a commercial capacity, even if it's just as a complement to their usual shooting rig. One good example of this would be John Bozinov, a pro photographer from New Zealand who uses the iPhone to shoot stunning Arctic landscape and wildlife photos, even getting Apple CEO Tim Cook's attention. I'll put a link to John's Instagram page in the show notes so you can see his work for yourself, as well as the article he wrote about his Arctic smartphone photography thing. John says that the best camera is the one you have with you, he, where he quotes fellow photographer Chase Jarvis, and there's plenty you can do with your smartphone camera, iPhone or otherwise. And later on in the show, we'll talk about some tips and tricks you can use right now after listening to this episode to really up your smartphone photography skills. That being said, there's plenty more people have been pushing the iPhone to its limits, so much so that they've even got their own annual contest, the iPhone Photography Awards, or IPA Awards for short. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. They were founded in 2007, which was the same year the original iPhone was launched. They gave awards to three winners in 19 categories, as well as three overall winners. And this year, the grand prize went to Dimpy Balosha, a street photographer from the United Kingdom. So the winning photo is a black and white shot titled Flying Boys, which depicts three boys jumping from a wall into the Ganges River in India. The first place winner for Photographer of the Year is from is Belarusian Artyom Barishov, with his photo titled No Walls, which depicts a photo of a man uh, painting blue stripes onto a wall that look like they're blending right up into the sky. And then second place is China's Geli Zhao, with an untitled image showing sheets blowing in the wind in an urban location, which the interesting thing about this photo is it uses a lot of shadows, light, texture, and geometric lines within the composition. And then third place is Iraq's Saif Hussein, with the image titled Sheik of Youth, a, quite a moody black and white photo of an elderly man against the shadows of the room that he's sitting in. Here's the interesting fact about all the winning photos here, of everything I've mentioned here. Not one of the top four winners used any of the latest iPhones to take their winning photos. So here's what they used. The third place winner used an iPhone 10. The second place winner used a 10s Max. And the first place winner, most notably, used an iPhone 6. That's pretty neat. The grand prize winner also used an iPhone 10. So it's not just about the camera you have. I mean, obviously it helps to have the latest or maybe even just the most decent equipment, but it's also about how you use it. And then there's also the creative aspect on part of the photographer. Here's the takeaway. With just a bit of time, effort, and consistency, just about anyone can develop the skills to take great-looking photos that you never know might actually win awards. And sure, that can include me and you. I'll just put a link to the awards website in the show notes so you can see all of the winning photos and just go through them. They're really good. Highly recommend you give them a look-see. So whether or not you plan on working your way up to winning photo contest awards, there's plenty of easy things you can do right now to improve the quality of your photos. 
Um, let's just start with a few basics. So tip number one, first off, make sure you got good lighting. If you're standing outside during the day, or this shouldn't be a problem at all. Just make sure that the people or the thing you're shooting isn't directly against the sun, meaning the light's coming from behind what you're shooting. Because that means that it'll blow out your photo and it looks like you're shooting someone who looks like they're about to be abducted by a UFO or sun. If you're indoors or if it's nighttime, it'll be a bit trickier. If it's a night landscape you're shooting, you'll probably be more at the mercy of the quality of your camera hardware and if it's designed to have some sort of night mode. If you have a way to hold the camera steady, like lean it against a wall or against like a barrier of some sort, it's even better if you have a stand or a tripod. That'll help a lot. So when you take your photo, your camera might automatically take a longer exposure, meaning it'll use a few seconds longer or take a few seconds longer to finish the photo from when you tap the shutter button to let more light in. Cool. Tip number two. Don't digitally zoom in too much. If, if you can avoid zooming in, do that. Most smartphone cameras have a way to, air quotes, zoom in. What most smartphone cameras don't have is the actual hardware that allows you to get good photos with proper real-life zoom capabilities. So if your phone isn't, say, a, a Huawei P30 or P40 Pro or a Xiaomi Mi 10 Pro, you probably don't have any extra special creepy or stalker class zoom on that thing. The thing that happens when you zoom in too much and your phone doesn't have the right hardware for it is it relies on software trickery to kind of make the photo look bigger and zoomed in. But if you examine the actual photo that you've taken using that, you'll see plenty of pixelation and grain that looks like you used a potato to shoot the photo instead of an actual camera. It's simply just not going to look very clear or pleasant. So, as much as possible, don't zoom in, especially if it's digital zoom. What you can do instead is physically get closer to the thing you want to take a photo of. Walking a few steps to get a good shot won't kill you. Unless of course you're on a mountaintop somewhere then. I can't help you there, sorry. Tip number three sounds kinda obvious when you say it, but I'm willing to bet that not a lot of us have done this recently, maybe not even often enough. We gotta clean our lenses, man. Depending on how you hold or grab your phone, or when you set it down at work or at home, you're bound to get those smudges and their fingerprint oils and dust and all sorts of stuff that you generally don't want if you want to take crisp and clean photo. So remember that any of that foreign material and debris on your lens is going to show up as some sort of artifact in the photo that you take. One thing you can do is get something like a basic lens cleaning kit that's got the cleaning spray and an anti-scratch cloth from Amazon. Uh, stuff like that shouldn't cost more than 8 or $9, and it ought to last you a few years at best. Okay, basics done. Let's talk about composition, or how you decide to put together what you want your photo to look like. Tip number four is don't cut off people's heads, hands, or feet. If you're shooting photos with a person or a group of people in it, make sure you don't chop off the top or the sides of anyone's head. Make sure you've got it all inside your photo's frame. And if anyone's waving their hands around or if they've got them spread out in any direction, make sure their hands are entirely in frame as well. Just take a step back or two if you need to. And if you're taking whole body shots, don't cut off anyone's feet. Get all of it in frame. 
If you feel like you gotta exclude somebody's lower body, a good place to have the cutoff, according to Digital Camera World, is either a few inches above the ankle, above the knee, or a few inches below the waist. Tip number five, use the environment to frame your photo. You can use the things you find around you to sort of create full or partial frames for your photos. For example, if you're in a park and you can use a tree trunk or a branch as a partial frame for the side and the top of your photo. You can shoot through gates and bars or even holes in walls to kind of frame what you're looking at primarily. And then you got the sides filled in with your subject in between. A little bit of creative uh, composition there. So before tapping the shutter button, try to look around you for objects or structures, plants, flowers, or anything with any sort of lines that you can use to create full or partial borders to shoot through to create sort of a virtual frame for the photo you want to take. Tip number six, use the rule of thirds. Imagine that the image you're shooting has a grid of two vertical lines and two horizontal lines. This divides everything you see in the frame into nine equal parts. So basically three columns and three rows. The easiest way to do this is to go into your camera's app settings and enable that grid. So if you're on an iPhone, go into settings, tap camera, and then turn on the green switch for grid. For Android users, it might depend on which phone you got, but most of you should find that setting inside the actual camera app. So when you pick a subject for your photo, Put the main subject on one or two of the intersecting points in the grid. So if it's a person, put them on the left side where the two intersecting points are, top and bottom on the left side. If it's landscape you're shooting, like say, beach scene maybe, put the horizon line on the bottom two intersecting points, like really line it up on there and you'll have a great shot. The reason you'll want to do this is that studies have shown that when viewing images that people's eyes usually go to one of the intersection points most naturally rather than just focusing on the center of the shot. So using the rule of thirds works with this natural way of viewing an image rather than working against it. And this is according to an article by Digital Photography School. I'll link to that article in the show notes. It's, they do a really good job of explaining it and they show some examples of this in play. So yeah, learn the rule of thirds, experiment with it, and I guarantee people will notice a difference with the photos you take now compared to the ones you've taken previously. Alright, finally, some tips for editing the stuff you shot for after you've taken the actual photos. Tip number seven, don't overdo filters. A lot of people love filters because they're easy and they can make your photos stand out. But that doesn't always work if you want the best possible quality from it. A lot of filters alter photos beyond recognition, and most of the time they degrade the photo's quality by quite a bit. I mean, sure, on your phone it'll look fine, but if you look at it on a bigger screen or you want to have the photo printed, you'll see what I mean. It's not a good look. What you can do instead is use a good, free photo editing app like Snapseed or Lightroom to make specific adjustments. Play with basic editing parameters like increasing or decreasing brightness and contrast. You can bring up just the dark parts of a photo by adjusting shadows a little bit. And then you can bring down an overly bright sky or kind of a blown out ender lighting piece by adjusting highlights. You can adjust how warm or cool a photo is by playing around with the warmth slider. So basically, it either gives your photo more of a red tint 
or on the opposite side more of a blue tint depending on what you want the photo to feel like temperature wise. You can make colors brighter or calmer by adjusting saturation. Just a quick word on that by the way, if you overdo saturation, it tends to make the photo look kind of tacky and maybe even fake or cartoonish and you don't want to make everybody look like they just left a cheap and dodgy tanning salon. So yeah, grab a photo editor like Snapseed or even Lightroom. They should be free for both Android and iOS and just play around with these parameters and check out other ways of making small adjustments to your photos instead of just going straight for filters right away every time. And finally, tip number 8. Develop your own personal style. Learn the rules as best you can and learn from other photographers, but ultimately, it should be your goal to compose, shoot, and edit the images the way you know you'll enjoy looking at them. Take and edit the images that you like. Right, so just to recap everything, make sure you've got good lighting, that's tip number one. Tip number two, don't use digital zoom, just get as close as you can if you need to. Tip number three, keep your lens clean. Tip number four, don't cut off people's heads, hands, or feet. Tip number five, use the environment to frame your photo. Tip number six, learn and use the rule of thirds. Tip number seven, don't overdo filters. Try to make smaller, more specific adjustments. Tip number eight, develop your own personal style as time goes by. I guarantee that if you put all these things into practice, your smartphone photos are gonna look a lot better and you'll be real happy with the stuff you take. If you wanna learn some more advanced photography, I've got two recommendations for you guys to learn from. Uh, a group called Mango Street and Peter McKinnon. So they've got some great videos on YouTube, which I'll link to in the show notes to get you started with some things. And then you can check out the rest of the stuff on their channels. They're really great content creators and they're very good teachers, so highly recommended. Anyway, it's time for this episode's featured track. This time from New York-based band Crying, that's their name. Something from 2016 called Wool in the Wash. A bright, classic rock, maybe prog-tinged song that I'm willing to bet you'll find hard not to like. So, make sure to check out the track, which will be embedded in the show notes for your convenience, and you can play it and listen to it straight off the page. That's it for yet another episode of 750 Mills. Make sure you head on over to 750ml.fm to check out links to stuff we've talked about here. That includes the featured track we just talked about, the secret link for this episode that you'll want to check out if you're still sheltering in place or are still in lockdown, along with everything else that we may have mentioned. You can subscribe and listen to the 750ML podcast on Podomatic.com, Spotify, Deezer, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Just type in 750ML podcast in the search box, and you can tap follow or subscribe so you can get notified whenever a new episode comes out. Also, the podcast is available on YouTube if you like listening to and watching stuff over there. Links to all of that will be in the show notes for this episode as well, which you can find on 750ml.fm. That's 750ml.fm. Anyway, folks, thanks for hanging out with me again. My name is Andre. This has been the 750ml Podcast, and I hope you make a good day out of the one you're having right now. Take care.